Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, a show exploring how herbs heal as medicine, as food, and through nature connection. I'm your host, Rosalie de la Forêt. I'm an herbalist teacher and the best-selling author of the books Alchemy of Herbs and Wild Remedies. I created this podcast to share trusted herbal wisdom so that you can get the best results when relying on herbs for your health. I love offering up practical knowledge to help you dive deeper into the world of medicinal plants and seasonal living. My goal is that you'll walk away from each episode feeling inspired to start working with herbs in your everyday life. Each episode of the podcast is available on my Herbs with Rosalie YouTube channel, as well as your favorite podcast app. Transcripts and recipes for each episode can be found at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. To get the latest news as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. I'm so thrilled to bring you this conversation with Camille Freeman. Camille has been in practice as an herbalist nutritionist since 2003 with a focus on fertility and menstrual health. She mentors other highly trained herbalists who need help with complicated cases and or with building and growing their practices. Camille is also a professor in the Department of Nutrition and Herbal Medicine at the Maryland University of Integrative Health, where she teaches physiology and pathophysiology online. She holds a doctoral degree in clinical nutrition from MUIH, as well as master's degrees in physiology, biophysics from Georgetown, and herbal medicine from MUIH. Welcome to the podcast, Camille. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, such a pleasure. I've been following your newsletter for so long. I'm so impressed with so many of the things that you're doing. So I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit more, hear about your plant path, talk about ginger, all of that. But let's start with your plant path and how you got started on this journey. Yeah, well, you know, my very first exposure to herbs was when I was a junior in high school. Shout out to my English teacher, Mrs. Strunk, who recommended that I write a term paper on echinacea. And I spent a whole half of a school year writing about echinacea. I actually wrote off a letter, a self-addressed stamped envelope, a SACE, if you will, to Jim Duke. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, because, you know, at that time, that, that was 1995, and we didn't have all this, you know, internet, et cetera, which is... We were, we were like old school with the letters and the card catalog at the library. So I did a whole project and I'd never thought about herbs in that way before. It was really interesting, but I had no idea that being an herbalist was a profession. That was hmm. a thing that you could do. Yeah. And I still didn't really get it from that project. I was like, oh, you know, this is a historical thing. People used to use echinacea for all these things. Interesting. And maybe it could help with colds. And so then fast forward after undergrad, I was like, you know, maybe I want to go to naturopathic school. And I looked at the catalogs and I was like, wow, this is a lot of money when the only classes I'm interested in are the botanical ones. Mm. (laughs) And so I still didn't know that there was such a thing as an herbalist, but I was like, oh, I just don't think I can do that. So I Mm -hmm. set it aside. And then one day I was traveling by Greyhound across the country, which I do not recommend. No, it's a Um, (laughs) no-go. But I was traveling across the country and I was in New Mexico I thought I would check out a massage school there and they had a farmer's market and there was a little table with an herbalist and she had a sign up that said apprentice wanted and her name was Monica Rude. And I was like, I think that's for me. And so, 
yeah, I packed up my poultry belongings. I moved into a plastic yurt on her farm in New Mexico. Wow. Apprenticed for the summer. It was a, it was primarily growing and medicine making. So we did mm -hmm. fire cider, we did salves, we grew a lot of holy basil. We bopped around in the mountains with Michael Cottingham. It was really fun. And then I realized I wanted the clinical component. Mm -hmm. And at that time, MUIH, then Thai Sophia, had a master's degree that was just starting the very first cohort in Maryland. And Jim Duke was on the faculty. I saw <laughs> his name was associated with it. And I was like, it's a blast from the past. And so I went and interviewed and decided to go there. I was in the very first cohort to go through the herbal program. Oh, wow. And that was two, two and a half years. And then after that, I was a clinical herbalist. So that's kind of my introduction to herbalism. I, I'm still curious how your English teacher came up with echinacea as a term paper. I, she was incredibly perceptive English teacher. I think mm -hmm. she knew I was interested in sort of alternative health things. And so mm -hmm. I think she decided that would be a good one. She'd probably seen the headlines at that time. You know, Echinacea was like the, right, right. <laughs> the one. Right. So I think that's probably where she came up with it. But mm -hmm. I actually credit a lot of my professional success to her because she was a very exacting writing teacher. And so I feel like a lot of where I've been able to get in my life is because I can write well. So, hmm. anyway. oh, that's interesting. I, I love that story. How there's like it like keeps. I feel like the plants often call us, and in that story, it's like they get just like, okay, Camille, 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 <laughs> until finally you're all in. It's so true. It's very, um, it's very circuitous. And Jim, you know, I wound up wound up being very good friends with Jim and spending mm -hmm. a lot of time with him, and among many other mentors teachers along the way, of course. Mm -hmm. You also, you brought up a memory for me of something I haven't thought about. And I don't even know how long is that when I, my creative writing teacher in high school, she had this like writing prompt for us where she told us to grab magazines and flip through them and just find an ad or find a headline to like, and then just like free write about it. And I remember finding an ad for Kava Kava I had no idea what Kava Kava was. Like I can remember that much. I didn't know what it was, but I remember doing this long free write about Kava Kava based on that ad and being like really curious about it. But then, you know, it's kind of like, then it, I set it down for a long time, and but kind of similar. They're calling out in one way or another. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Very interesting. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about an herb that it's really an herb that I... I don't know, like, I don't really go that long without working with it. You know, it's something that's such a strong presence in my life. So I'm excited to hear what you have about ginger. And I always like to hear why you decided on ginger. Yeah, well, you know, when you sent me the invitation to come and speak with you, I, I was like, okay, I have a, a core set of herbs that I really just couldn't live without, probably. Somebody was asking me the other day about my five desert island herbs, and ginger is one of them for sure. <laughs> I would I would really need ginger to get through any period of time, personally and professionally. And I thought, well, you know, it's fall season coming on, winter. It fits really nicely with that energetic. Mm -hmm. And I, the thing I one of the things I love about ginger is it's just so so many facets to it. It's got the digestive component and it's got the reproductive 
menstrual component and it's got the, you know, immune building component, just the overall warming component. And I'm like, oh, there's, there's so many things with the ginger. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, let's, let's go ginger. Yeah. 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 It is that like in itself, it's a whole medicine cabinet really. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's dive in. What are some of the ways you like to work with ginger? Yes. Well, so ginger, oh, I've been like, where do I even start? <laughs> One of my favorite things about ginger, I, my clinical focus is reproductive health and fertility specifically. And one of the things that I've noticed with my clients is that, especially during COVID times, there's an awful lot of sitting going on. <laughs> a, lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of desk time, a lot of sitting time. And I found that it, it, there's pelvic stagnation that can go along with that. Mm -hmm. And I really love ginger in that context. I feel like it has a specific affinity for the hips and the pelvic area. And so I, I love to use ginger in people who are spending a lot of time sitting, or I have, you know, some clients who are, need to be in bed for extended periods of time for various reasons. And I feel like ginger is another lovely herb there, A, because it just generally improves circulation, but B, because of that kind of core pelvic movement that it brings. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my very favorite uses. And I, mm -hmm. you know, most people, I think these days could use a little bit more energy going on mm -hmm. in the pelvis. So that's one component. Another component, I love to use ginger as a synergist in my formulas. Mm -hmm. I feel like it brings a bunch of things together. So I will often use a very small amount, even if I'm not, you know, good doing a big whack of therapeutic dose, if you will, I'll often use just a little bit in there to kind of tie everything together. If the energetics are right for people, I could go on. I'm like, how much time do we have? <laughs> Some of my <laughs> I, I want to circle back to the reproductive organs and um, because that is something that when I was in clinical practice, I would often work with cinnamon and ginger together um, as moving energy there. And I found that it helped so many people with when they had cramping with menstruation or clots. Also, like sometimes they could tell me like, oh, like my at my lower abdomen feels cold or I feel cold. And that was always a really great indication. But I feel like there can be obviously so many underlying reasons to look at why someone might be having pain or clotting with menstruation, but that can be like something that helps in the meantime. And I've seen so many people be able to like not take as much ibuprofen or none at all just by using those two plants um, and just that wonderful like moving. And I just, I always love that in a way of it's just like, like what's an herb, what's an ibuprofen equivalent for menstrual cramps? It's kind of like, I don't know, you know, like what is that? But when you think about like, oh, somebody's feeling cold, they have pelvic stagnation, like all those things fit together and think just the way you described it is moving the energy, helping with that stagnation. It's just that, that herbalist perspective that I find so much more nuanced and fun than like pop and ibuprofen, which is sometimes necessary, oh, yeah. but cinnamon and ginger. Yeah. Cinnamon and ginger. And I, we were just talking about this in my mentoring group, actually, the use of ginger acutely for menstrual cramps. And one of the really lovely things about ginger in the, this context is that you don't really need a huge amount for it to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So I've found that just a couple grams acutely for menstrual cramping can be enough to really get people through the day or through mm -hmm. the next wave of cramps. Mm -hmm. So I love, I love ginger in that context. And I agree that cold, that sensation of cold or stuck, either one or both mm 
Mm-hmm. I find really nice. I'm often drawn to ginger in the menstrual cycle when people have a lot of spotting prior to the heavy mm. flow. Mm. I feel like, again, it's that same movement where we want to just get things going instead of lingering along like boop, 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 before, <laughs> before everything starts. I, mm-hmm. I think ginger is really nice in a formula throughout the cycle in those cases too. Oh, thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. I don't often hear about ginger in that way. So it's, um, it's nice to hear if it's being worked with in that way and just your insights with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, one of my other favorite things about ginger is how accessible it is because even my clients who are very tentative about herbs or they are, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know, taste is very important to me, or they don't want to get all involved in a bunch of, you know, weird stuff. I'm like, okay, well, we can go to the grocery store. <laughs> we can get some ginger. We can make this very basic. Doesn't have to be fancy. I feel like most people know the flavor, know if they like it or not. And most people mm-hmm. do. And I just love that kitchen medicine component of it. I feel like mm-hmm. it's it's a great gate, a gateway herb. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Everything yeah. else. Yeah. 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 And that, that being said, I also wish that ginger was a lot more available. I just recently had an experience where I was traveling and I think I just had like nervous anxiety with traveling, but I was feeling nauseous and I often carry like gingins or like other, um, ginger candy on me, but I didn't have any, I just like forgot to put some in my purse or whatever. So we stopped at like a, you know, place to get gas convenience store, and I walked in and they just, they had nothing. Like I was like, I, I got to find something, you know, for just like feeling nauseous. And there was nothing there. And I was just like, gosh, how cool would it be if like every place, like if everyone just knew that a quick tummy upset, cause it's good, you know, for nausea, for all sorts of like problems of things are not going well, stagnant digestion, something doesn't sit right. I mean, ginger can just be like your one stop shopping for so many di- like acute minor digestive things. And yeah, I just, I was, what a world we could live in if it was just like by every cash register, there's the ginger that everybody knows is helpful, you know? Oh my gosh. Yes. That would be amazing. I, I would yeah. love that. There's so many reasons that you might need to swing by and grab a little bit. some ginger. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, I was like, oh, I have to go like to a specialty store to get ginger. It just seemed like, you know, seemed wrong. But one day we, we might see that one day. I mean, they do have like the 12 hour energy ginseng drinks or whatever by the cash register. So <laughs> there might be, maybe there's hope one day that we'll have some like nourishing herbal stuff by the cash register. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, let's see, ginger. Well, what's another, you mentioned respiratory and I know we have a, a recipe to share, but let's first talk about respiratory stuff and ginger Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot of the same energetics, at least the way that I use ginger in the respiratory system. I, I love it. Anytime people start to feel a little something, something happening with the respiratory system like that. Am I, is that a tickle in my throat? Am I feeling a little bit coldy? Ginger is my go-to for that. And again, I love it because when my clients email me or message me and they say, Hey, Camille, I think I might be getting sick. Is there anything I can do? they almost always have ginger or they can send someone out to grab a little bit at the grocery store mm-hmm. and so easy, so easy. It's not like, Oh, wait, while somebody formulates a tincture and mails it to you or whatever, it's just it's right there. Just make it up. And I find that it's, it's really, really lovely for those first twinkles of 
maybe there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's one of my favorites too, for that very same reason. Um, I, and I, I'm really excited about your recipe because this is a tea that I haven't made this particular tea, but I've made a thousand variations of it as you know, there is, um, because it is such a, it's a powerful tea that's so easy to make and it really makes a difference. And it's also just like yummy and comforting too. And you just can't go wrong with ginger tea. Would you explain the recipe for us? Oh yeah. And I, you know, I thought of, it's like, oh, maybe I should have a fancier, more complicated recipe. But then I was like, you know what, this is the, this is the one that I actually use. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems pretty basic, but I'm just going to go with this one. Um, yeah. So the, the idea is, and I had a hard time coming up with the exact quantities because this one, I'm more right. of an eyeball it kind of situation. Right. But what I will do is take an inch or two of fresh ginger, slice it up with the peel on, put it in a saucepan or any kind of pot whatever you've got with um, some cinnamon. I usually, usually use one cinnamon stick. I cover it with a couple cups of good quality water and simmer it for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, something in that range. Strain, add whatever you want, like honey, lemon, little dash of maple syrup, little apple cider. I love, I love this with apple cider. And then drink it down. It's really, really warming and special and delicious. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's it. That's the recipe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant because that's, it is that recipe that becomes your favorite that you turn to over and over again. And not again, not only because it's comforting and delicious, but because it really does help with those feelings of coldness and warding off something as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it is something that, you know, someone else can pretty easily make for you if you're really feeling worn down. I think it's also just lovely on a cold winter mm -hmm. morning as well, even if you feel totally fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anytime I feel kind of cold inwardly, it's fun to bundle up with a cup of ginger and, and a good book and just have one of those cozy days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you ever use ginger topically? I do sometimes use a ginger pack for Ooh. my clients. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like what some people might think of as castor oil pack. Mm -hmm. but with ginger. So you kind of, you take the fresh ginger, you grate it up, which can be a delicate operation, you know, got to watch those fingers <laughs> with that or because <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a few accidents in that scenario, but so you grate it up, you put it in a pan with just a little bit of water, heat it up, um, put down a, I usually use like a thin cloth, put it on top of that, cool it down a little bit and then flip it over, put it on. I have people put it on their abdomens usually. Mm -hmm. And I will do this. And then you cover it with an, another towel, maybe a hot water bottle, maybe another towel on top of that and rest. That's mm -hmm. I think a key part of this recipe, mm -hmm. <laughs> the resting mm -hmm. part. It's not like, Oh, do that and answer your emails and, you know, check, check the weather and watch TV and all that. You, you rest, maybe read a book, listen to some music visualize, do something like that. But I'll have people do it over their abdomen in cases where we are working on fibroids, we're working on healing after a miscarriage, something along those lines where we're just really trying to bring a lot of warmth and energy to that area. Mm -hmm. I'll do that, have people do that a couple times a week. And yeah, it's great. You key, here's a little tip. You can grate up a lot of ginger all at once and then freeze some of it. Because mm. <laughs> you know, you got to get the grater out and all that. So I, sometimes I'll have people just really go for it and freeze, freeze what they don't use. And then it's a lot easier to make it like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, great tips. Thanks, Camille. This message is for the listeners. As you probably know by now, I love to share recipes when we talk about these plants. Recipes are a wonderful way for you to get involved and create your own experience with herbs. It's one thing to hear cool facts about ginger, but an entirely other thing to form your own relationship with this plant through observing, tending, and tasting. To help you get to know ginger more deeply, Camille is sharing a warming autumn tea recipe. You can download your recipe card by visiting herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. There you'll also find the show notes, including direct links to Camille's offerings and a transcript of this interview. I know um, ginger makes like a lot of scientific research is about how it's a general anti-inflammatory. Is that a way that you think of as as ginger being useful? Yes, I do. Although, you know, like any herb, I found that there are people who where ginger is a little too hot for them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like not everybody can use it in that way or any of these ways. Sometimes people are just too, too hot for ginger. And so I, it's not that it's not anti-inflammatory in those people, but I feel like it's just an energetic mismatch. Mm-hmm. And those you'll know within a, a day or two in my experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not gonna you're not gonna wonder if it's if it's a good fit or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but so outside of those folks, yeah, I have I have actually I mostly work with people kind of in that fertility age range, but I have worked with uh, you know over the years a number of people who are undergoing chronic pain, who are um, having arthritis or that sort of thing. And I find that ginger can be really a lovely part of a protocol mm-hmm. in those folks. I often will yeah. use it. And, and one thing that's coming to my mind too, is that just as you say that, you know, obviously sometimes it's too heating and stimulating for some folks is um, working with ginger for headaches and even migraines. Again, it's kind of like an acute solver. And that can work so well for some folks and like absolutely not well for others. So it is one of those, like, it's not for everyone. Um, And I was thinking maybe we should mention like what it looks like when ginger doesn't work for someone who's, you know, for people who might not be um, energetically inclined or not know what that means. But what I've seen is, you know, people just feel so hot. They're unpleasantly hot. They'll feel like their head especially is hot. Sometimes their like digestion feels it's like too much is going on. It's too hot. Mm-hmm. Now, is there anything mm-hmm. else that when it ginger doesn't work for someone? I Yes, I've had all of those show up for people. I've had people feel like it causes a little bit of indigestion, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of reflux in some cases, again, where they're already hot, not I wouldn't expect it to cause that in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had people feel like it's, it makes them a little bit more irritable. Mm-hmm. They're more, more volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I have some clients who just don't like it. It's not their herb, which I think is fair. Fair enough. Just not your thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, when you were talking though, I realized I hadn't put this together, but I have a client who is on a heavy ginger formula for menstrual cramps. She uses it acutely. And she was telling me that she recently went and got her COVID booster and she was, her arm was really bothering her for several days after more than she would expect. And she was like, you know, I just decided to take some of that formula. (laughs) And she said within 30 minutes, her arm wasn't hurting anymore. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Had not thought of it in that context, but I might in the future because there are certainly people who are having that, you know, Mm -hmm. heavy arm or arm thing going on. Mm -hmm. It does promote circulation so well. Like you said, it's such a wonderful synergist and formulas and 
really moves things around. So I wonder, I mean, I, with some things, we just never really know the exact mechanism of what the herb is doing. But that's kind of like my vision is like, it's just, you know, if there's something stuck, stagnant, painful, inflamed, it's just, it's moving things along. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any other ways that you'd like to share your love of ginger with us? Well, I think I would probably be remiss if I didn't mention the nausea and vomit vomiting of pregnancy, because mm. <laughs> that's a classic ginger use. Mm -hmm. And I will share that I find that ginger is effective in maybe like 30% of people who are having nausea and vomiting associated with pregnancy. I don't feel like it's the cure-all that you would think if you were mm -hmm. cruising along the internet about mm -hmm. what to do when you're feeling gross in early pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it's really helpful for some people and for other people, it really doesn't touch it at all. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, I like to put that out there because sometimes people are like, oh, well, I tried herbs and that didn't work. So now I got to go on to, you know, take the prescription medication or do other things. And, you know, one of the things we're off the topic of ginger now, but one of the things I do really find helpful in, in that group, especially if ginger isn't going to work, is dandelion root. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Huh. Wow. That's a really yeah. great tip. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So little tip. And it doesn't even, for the pregnant people, I, I infuse it rather than decoct it. So it's a little more gentle mm -hmm. and just do like a couple grams infused. And I think the bitter kind of cuts through the nausea for some people. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Side note. Yeah, I love hearing from clinical herbalists like yourself, because it is that, that knowledge that goes beyond the self or even the family, you know, a few people of just like, I've worked with this many people. So I've seen these results in this way. And that's just always so enlightening, you know, because I've never heard that. I've known that ginger doesn't work for everyone for nausea and vomiting with pregnancy, but to be able to like even put a rough number of like, oh, about 30%. I mean, that's something to know. And like you said, just put realistic expectations on that. So like you said, there's not like, oh, I tried it, it doesn't work, herbs don't work. <laughs> yeah, Because <laughs> that, yeah. that happens yeah. so often, which is why I am constantly recommending that people work directly with a clinical herbalist when they have complex health problems, because a clinical herbalist can, is pulling on all sorts of training, knowledge, experience, and can really help personalize and troubleshoot, you know, when things don't go, you know, like when it's not just to like, take this for that done, you know, there's, it's never really like that. So I always th say, if you want safety, if you want to be effective with herbs and you have a complex health thing, go see a clinical herbalist. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's, there's so much more to it than just matching up. This herb is for that. Mm -hmm. like, oh, so much yeah more, which... so many steps along the way too you know it's there's like the first step and then the healing is just never like this like one punch thing so then there's like what do you do with the second step the third step and to have someone that you can rely on um, for their experience is just you know it truly is priceless in that way and and I think if I know that herbalism is often taught of you know herbs for the people's people's medicine which I wholly believe in. And there is so many things we can do, you know, with grabbing like your cup of autumn wellness tea and having, you know, that when we're feeling a cold. And like you said, ginger is so accessible, helps us so much and those things. But when we start getting to like a little bit more complex things, it's uh, so nice to have someone you can trust and rely on to help you through the process. 
Yeah, I know, and, like, you know, even as myself, I'm like the worst herbalist when I'm sick too. <laughs> it's like, it's like everything goes out the door, all perspective. <laughs> so. I was just going to say that I find that I need outside help when it comes to me or my family members. I'm not, I have no perspective. I need someone else to come in and assess the situation. Well, Camille, I, you know, one of my underlying reasons for inviting you being here um, here on the podcast is that I have been following your newsletter for, I feel like years now. And I'm just so impressed with so many of your offerings and just what you're doing and your mentoring. And so I'm excited to talk about what projects you're doing and, and hear what's up in the Camille herbal world. Oh, you're so kind. Um, yeah, I my the main thing I'm doing right now is my Monday mentoring program, which is for people who are already trained herbalists. And we get together once a week. It's a community of practice. And I, I love that because it's a group of people who are all engaged in this practice of herbal medicine. And we're just coming together, not in a, you know, oh, let's let's one person is the right person and we're just going to learn from that person. But in a, in a way that's like, let's all pool our resources and our experience and our knowledge and our, uh, you know, all the things that we've bring to the table and work together on these cases and on having a business, which is what, not what most of us thought we would be doing. It's running a business, but here we are. So we just gather once a week for an hour and talk about cases. People bring cases and we go over them and then we talk about running a practice and you know what do you do when your client doesn't show up and like you know, dealing with your website all those types of things and i i just love doing it it's it's a project that i started i you know i was like oh, maybe people are interested in this mm -hmm. just over a year ago and it's been incredible to have such an amazing community of people to be with every week. And I'm like, I, I don't think I personally would want to practice without that group anymore. Hmm. <laughs> it really enriches my own practice. And uh, I just I love, I love doing it. Oh, yeah, it sounds so wonderful. And what just an incredibly valuable thing. And what a precious thing in that this didn't exist two or three decades ago within, you know, the United States or Canadian herbal world, you know, there wasn't case study get togethers that were widely available. Anyway, they might have existed out there. But to be able to have these offerings, because that that is just so valuable to be able to get together and, um, and hear what works, what doesn't work, common practice. And, and like you said, so many of us as herbalists, we did not envision becoming entrepreneurs or business owners. And that's this whole other thing to navigate, much less, you know, matching herbs to people. Yeah. And, you know, I think it speaks to the work of all the people who started herb schools and the people like you who are doing so much to promote the field. And then, and then like, oh, and we have all these herbalists here who are out there doing amazing work. And I love it. It's, mm -hmm. it's so nice to, to gather with people who are the kind of like the fruits of everyone's labor coming before. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a really special time to be an herbalist and have the camaraderie and, you know, able to find and gather and, and share in this way because they're not so few and far between anymore. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's great. And Camille, you also have an herbal podcast that I would love for you to share a bit about. Oh, I thank you. Uh, yes, I do. It's called In the Clinic with Camille. And it's a very short, teeny tiny podcast. Most of the episodes are like 10 to 15 minutes. And I just share little clinical tidbits for other practitioners that might be useful, either about plants or running your practice or just being in the 
being in the field as an herbalist. Uh, I love the podcast. Like you said, it is 10 to 15 minutes. So it's super easy to listen to. And I love that you like as a clinical herbalist, you're sharing both like practical things about running a, a practice as well as herbal stuff. So it's, it's definitely worth checking out in the podcast world. Oh, thanks so much. Well, Camille, for my last question, it's a question I'm asking everyone in season two. And that question is, what along the herbal path has surprised you? Hmm. Well, I think one of the most surprising things for me has been how simple, easy things can make such a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I work with a lot of complex cases where, you know, you've got like lots of different meds and they've tried hundreds of things. They've been to all the doctors and all the things and you feel like, oh, you know, so many diagnoses and very, it's very complicated. And it's so easy for me, even after, I don't know, 15 years in practice or however long, probably more than that at this point, I'm not going to count. Um, <laughs> but after, even after all those years, it's so easy to be like, wow, it's a complicated case. So I should have a complicated, you know, I want to give them their money's worth. I want to give them something like very in-depth and very, you know, lots of herbs and lots of suggestions. And what I found actually works the best with those people is just the same thing, which is matching the people up with the plants. And they're so, you, you think like, oh, you probably need some really exotic plant for a really exotic problem and a complicated thing. And I'm like, no, you can get so much done with our basic weeds, our basic local, you know, your plantains and your calendulas and your violets and your gingers and all, you know, all <laughs> these basic things can go so far. And uh, I constantly have to kind of keep bringing myself back to this, that it doesn't, because it's a complicated case, doesn't mean it has to be a complicated recommendation. Mm. And um, one of the things I'm always telling my mentoring people is don't try the fancy stuff until you've tried the basic stuff first, because there's mm. a good chance the basic stuff is going to work. And then you don't have to get very fancy. Keep it simple. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much because the simple can be so powerful and it's a good philosophy in everything, it, you know, even when we're looking at Western medicine of just like, let's start whatever kind of healing we're approaching is like, let's start small and simple and then we can move out from there. But it is, like you said, truly amazing what our, our lovely weeds and local medicines and simple plants can do. Yeah, love it, love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Camille, and for sharing all this insight and wisdom and for, for sharing about your love of ginger as well. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. For the listeners, don't forget to head over to herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to get free access to Camille's warming autumn tea recipe. Also available are the complete show notes, including the transcript. You can also visit Camille directly at camillefreeman.com. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks. I'm so glad you're here as part of this herbal community. Have a beautiful day. Hey, thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And if you're a new listener, thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget that you can find all the recipes, links, and show notes over at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe and get updates when new episodes release, and even submit your requests for future podcast episodes. The world needs more people who are connected to the earth and the healing gifts of plants. I'm so glad that you're here for this adventure. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Rising Appalachia for the use of their beautiful song, Resilience. 
Listen to more from Rising Appalachia at risingappalachia.com.